Strange Tales. RelicRadio.com presents tales of the strange and bizarre, the weird and the wicked. Stories not necessarily of the supernatural, but of the unnatural. Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. Welcome back to Strange Tales. The sealed book is going to bring us our story this week. But before we get to it, a quick reminder, if you'd like to help support Strange Tales and all of the Relic Radio podcasts, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes all of Relic Radio possible. Thanks again to all of you who have. This week, the sealed book is going to bring us their story from September 16th, 1945, titled The Man with the Stolen Face. The series aired over mutual stations for 26 episodes between March and November 1945. Here's the sealed book. The sealed book. Again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault, wherein is kept the great sealed book, in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds, strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book, I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read. Slowly, the great book opens. One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah, the strange story of a wealthy man who to enjoy the fortune he had stolen, wove a web of death around those who stood in his way. A tale titled, The Man with the Stolen Face.
is the tale, The Man with the Stolen Face, as it is written in the pages of the sealed book. Our story begins in the large, richly furnished office of John Harrington, famous financier. It is late afternoon, and Harrington is speaking to Matthew Briggs, his very confidential secretary. Well, Matt, this is it. I swore I was going to retire when I had $20 million, and now I have it. I've worked hard, and now I'm going to play hard. And do your plans include me still? No, of course they do, Matt. I couldn't get along without you. I see. Yes, I suppose you still need someone to do your dirty work for you. Why, Matt, what a thing to say. Now, where would you be if you hadn't hooked up with me? Executed and buried these 14 years, that's where. I know, you don't need to remind me. Because after all, you did kill that man, Matt. Killed him in cold blood. No, you and I belong together. You could send me to jail, but I still have carefully locked in my lawyer's safe. All the evidence necessary to send you to the gallows. Yes, I know. Now, uh, why don't you run along to the apartment? I think I'll sit and smoke one last cigar here in my office. All right. I'll see you later. <laughs> Poor Matt, how he hates me. There isn't a thing he dares do about it. Ah, well, I suppose a lot of people hate me. I'm not going to let that worry me any. Now is the time for me to enjoy myself. And I'm going to. Fun. That's my program from now on. Too bad that program will have to be canceled, Harrington. Who are you? I'm Jeremiah Cole, Harrington. You don't recognize the name, I see. Why should I? I never heard of you before in my life. I dare say not. But you've heard of my father, Nathan Cole. Oh. He gave you your first job 20 years ago. Well, what of it? I don't suppose you've forgotten that you got your start by cheating him out of his business. I did nothing illegal. You ruined my father after he'd befriended you and he died of a broken heart. I've spent 20 years trapping you, and now I'm ready to pull the noose tight. You're crazy. There isn't a man alive who has anything on me. I have. San Quentin. San Quentin? What are you talking about? When you were 19, a year before you came to the city and Dad gave you a job, you escaped from San Quentin. And you killed a guard doing it. Nonsense. You're you're crazy. Believe me, I can prove it. I've spent almost 20 years getting ready for just this moment. What do you want? I want $20 million. You can't be serious. Why, that's every cent I have in the world. You ruined my father, and I intend to ruin you. Turn over to me your entire fortune. I'll consider that punishment enough. No, no, I won't do it. I have two detectives waiting now in the outer office. You want me to call them in? No. No, wait. All right. I'll do it. I'll give you everything. Uh, I thought that would be your decision. Very well. Just sign this paper. And then you... Uh, what are you doing? Take your hands off my throat. You fool. You think I'm the man to give up that easy? I'll show you... Yes, I have $20 million, and nobody's going to take them away from me. Nobody! Threaten me, would you? That's what happens to men who threaten John Harrington. Now I've got to get your body out of sight. Yes, of course, the vault. I've locked it yet. Plenty of room in it for a dead blackmailer. So, in 
find you before Monday. As for your detectives outside, there's a back door to this office by which I can leave. You didn't know that, did you, Mr. Cole? There's a lot of things you didn't know, and one of them is that you shouldn't try to get the better of John Harrington. John Harrington slipped away by means of the back door and once safely outside telephoned Briggs giving Briggs instructions to meet him at his mountain lodge that night with all the money and securities he could put his hands on. Harrington then made his way by lonely back roads to his isolated lodge in the hills at which Briggs presently arrived to learn his employer's unfortunate plight. But, John, what can you do? If you kill this man, Cole, I don't see how you... You're here to help me, not to hang crepe. All right, just tell me what you want me to do. Then listen, we're safe here for quite a while. Nobody knows about this hideaway but you and me. We have plenty of food and we can stay here indefinitely. Yes, but the minute you leave here, someone will recognize you. That rugged face of yours has been in the papers and newsreels so often everybody knows it. I'm aware of that. So, I've got to have a new face. A new face? Why not? I know just the man to do it. Ludwig Muller. Muller. You mean the plastic surgery expert who was mixed up with that gang out in Chicago? That's the one. He was given five years for altering the features of members of the gang. Well, he must be out now. That was six years ago. Yes. Yes, I don't doubt he could do it, but... I have it all planned out. Now, first you've got to bring Muller here with all the necessary equipment. Then you have to find someone my age and my height who's willing to become John Harrington. Become you? That's insane. Why, even for all your money, who would trade places with you and go to the electric chair? Don't be stupid, Matt. I tell you, I have that worked out, too. Now, listen. You've got to find someone my age and general build who has no wife or family, who's not wanted by the police, and has never been involved with the law in any way, who's lived an inconspicuous life and has never attracted much attention. I'll take his place and live his life. He'll take mine and become a millionaire. But, John... Don't argue! You find such a man and bring him here. And I'll guarantee to persuade him to make the exchange. When I make a plan, it doesn't go wrong. Thank you. 
And now to continue the story, as it is written in the sealed book. A week passed, then a second, and a third. Then late one evening, Briggs returned. In the car with him were two men, one large and heavy set, like John Harrington, the other slender, pale, and nervous. Briggs ushered them to separate rooms. Then he reported to his master. Well, men, who have you got to take my place? Your name is Quincy, William Quincy. I have his whole life history written down for you. Here. Ah, let's see. Hmm. William Quincy, 39, born in Detroit, parents dead, unmarried, no police record, college education, traveling salesman, down on his luck at the moment. Hmm. He seems to fit the bill. Does anybody know you brought him here? Not a soul. Good. Bring him in. I'll put the proposition to him. All right. Come in, Quincy. John, this is William Quincy. Hello, Quincy. Sit down. Holy smoke, you're John Harrington. That's right. Well, sit down. Have a cigar, and we'll get down to cases. Quincy, what would you do for a million dollars? A million dollars? I'm ready to pay that much money for someone who'll spend ten years, maybe less, in jail in my place. What kind of a trick are you trying to pull? Briggs told me you're wanted for two murders. I'm not trying to pull any trick. I'm innocent of the California murder, and the worst I could get for killing that fellow in my office is manslaughter. He was a blackmailer, and I lost my temper. Well, is it a deal? For a million dollars? Yes. Yes, it's a deal. Good. I'm afraid that you'll have to sell me your face as well as your time, Quincy. Sell you my face? <laughs> oh, that's a hot one. <laughs> What's so funny about it? Excuse me, Mr. Harrington. I've always heard that a man's face was his fortune, but I never knew mine had any market value before. Well, it has. One million dollars. Okay. You've bought it. Of course, you have to take my face in exchange. Oh, sure. Huh. Sure, I understand. Good. There are a lot of things to be settled yet, but we have time for that. Uh, Matt, will you bring in Ludwig Muller? Of course, John. There's just one thing I want to know, Mr. Harrington. Huh? When I'm you, how am I going to clear myself of that California rap which you're innocent of? Very simply. You'll take my face, but your fingerprints won't jibe with the prints on file at San Quentin. That'll be obvious proof you're not the man. Very clever, Mr. Harrington. I think of every detail, Quincy, as you'll see. Oh, uh, come in, Dr. Muller. Dr. Muller, this is Mr. Harrington. Please, not Dr. Muller. I have no license. I'm plain Mr. Muller. Just as you like, Mr. Muller. But sit down, please. Thank you. Now, may I ask why I was brought here? Just to help me and Mr. Quincy here exchange faces. Exchange faces? Why should you wish to do such a thing? For personal reasons. We plan to exchange identities. You could make my face look like Quincy's and his like mine, couldn't you? Yes. Yes, of course I could, but... Then you're going to do it. And I'm going to pay you a million dollars. A million dollars? No, you cannot mean it. I do mean it. With that much money, you can become a man of science again. You can build laboratories, experiment, become famous... All just for a simple job of plastic surgery. Not simply, no, but... Yes, Mr. Harrington. I will do it. Mr. 
began work upon the two men. Day after day he worked, patiently with skilled fingers, changing their features, making the face of one into the face of the other. It was a long and difficult job, but as the time for the removal of the final bandages came closer, John Harrington was in excellent spirits. Well, Quincy, do you feel ready to take over the role of John Harrington, millionaire? Any time. I've practiced your walk, your signature. <laughs> I even know what you like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do after you become William Quincy, Esquire? I uh, don't suppose you'll be going back to my old hometown, Detroit, will you? No, I hadn't planned to. <laughs> well, take a tip from me. Don't. What do you mean? Why not? Well, there are people there who don't like me. I thought Briggs said you had a perfectly clear record. No, I have, but I quarreled with one or two people. Huh? Nothing legal, but, uh, <laughs> well, you wouldn't know who my friends were and who were my enemies. So, on the whole, it would be simpler just to give Detroit a wide berth. You're talking very strangely, Quincy. What's behind it? <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> I'm just worked up, I guess. <laughs> Because tomorrow we're going to see what we look like as each other. The next day, Ludwig Muller removed the bandages from their faces and from Harrington's hands. And when he held mirrors for them to see themselves... Good heavens. You do not recognize yourself, huh, Mr. Harrington? <laughs> I should say not. Why, I'm almost tempted to say hello, Quincy, when I look in the mirror. It is my finest job. Well, I'll say it is. <laughs> Personally, I like the change. I congratulate you, Muller. We must drink a toast to your success. Thank you. Ah, thank that's you. a good idea. <laughs> we'll drink to Harrington, safe in jail. And Quincy, adrift in the wide, dangerous world. <laughs> what the deuce oh, are you... Oh, hello, Matt. Uh, how, how do you like my new face? Why, it's a perfect job. We were just going to drink to it. Uh, bring some glasses and a decanter, will you? In fact, bring the special decanter of Napoleon brandy. Certainly. I'll get it. Uh, Napoleon brandy, eh? Huh. Sounds good. Well, we'll drink to our futures. I may be going to jail for a while, but when I get out... I'm going to live high, wide, and handsome. And how about you, Mr. Harrington Quincy? <laughs> Where are you headed for with my face? Oh, I'll see what New York is like, then try Buenos Aires and Rio de Janeiro. Here's the decanter, John. Huh. Shall I pour the drinks? Uh, yes, Matt, and one for yourself. No, thanks. I never drink. You know that. But well, here you are, Quincy. Thank you. Dr. Miller. Thank you, thank you. And John. Thanks. Gentlemen, I propose a toast to our collective futures. I'll drink to that. Come on, Doc. Bottoms up. Ah. Oh, that's smooth stuff. Now, very good indeed, Mr. Harrington. Glad you liked it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some business to talk over with Matt. But keep the decanter and help yourself. Today is a day to cut loose. And I'm going to cut. Pour us both another, Doc. Sure. Come along into my office, Matt. Yes, John. Now sit down and let's see where we are. I've taken care of uh, 
Everything I can think of. All transfers of money and stocks have been finished, except for, well, a couple of million. I'm afraid we'll have to let those last few millions go. Too much danger trying to transfer them. But you've done well, Matt. Thank you, John. I... What was that? Sounded like somebody falling. Here it is again. I rather imagine it was Quincy and Muller, Quincy. Matt. The poison I put in that brandy yesterday works fast. Poison? Of course. I only pretended to drink mine. You mean you... you, you... Exactly. I couldn't let them live. They knew too much. Have you no human feelings, whatever? Not where my own skin is concerned. I propose to start my new life as William Quincy with a clean slit and no witnesses left behind me. Oh. Does that uh, include me too, John? I'm afraid it does, Matt. No, don't move. I have my gun here in my pocket. See? Yes. I see now. I've been a fool, haven't I? I'm afraid so. You should have acted first, Matt, and killed me. Yes, I should have. But I never had the courage. The race is to the strong, never to the weak. Maybe you're right, John. Maybe, but uh, the weak sometimes win, too. This is a joke on me and on Quincy, but it's a joke on you, too, John, because... <laughs> because... Goodbye, Matt. <laughs> Well, that's that. When the police find you, Matt, together with my body, <laughs> the story of John Harrington will be over for good and all. But the story of William Quincy, footloose and fancy free, is just beginning. <laughs> To continue the story as it is written in the sealed book. A day later, John Harrington slipped away from the mountain hideout, leaving death in sole possession. He had no qualms and no fears. His new face was that of another man, and he became the other man. 
As William Quincy, he reached New York and went to the hotel where Matt Briggs had made a reservation for him by mail. Uh, yes, sir. Can I help you? My name's Quincy, William Quincy. You're holding a suite for me. Oh, yes, sir. 17E. Uh, if you'll just register. Certainly. And here's a letter we've been holding for you, Mr. Quincy. A letter? Thank you. Well, it's a met handwriting. And there were two gentlemen asking for you yesterday. Two gentlemen? Uh, yes, sir. What did you tell them? Uh, that you hadn't checked in yet, sir. If they ask for me again, tell them I've canceled my reservations. I'm here for a vacation, and I don't want to be disturbed by anyone. A few minutes later, John Harrington was alone in the luxurious suite Briggs had reserved for him. He stared out at New York with a scowl on his brow, fingering the letter the room clerk had given him. Who the deuce could have been asking for me? Why in the world should Matt have written me a letter? It's postmark the 10th. He must have written it the day before I... Well, I might as well read it. Dear John, you'll get this letter when you reach New York. By then, you will be William Quincy for good and all, and Quincy will be John Harrington. I've talked with him, and he has agreed as his first act to ask your lawyer for the evidence you've been holding over my head all these years. He will destroy it. Then, at last, I will be free of you forever. Ah, poor devil, that was his mistake. Now, what else did he say? And now, I want to give you a word of warning. The worm has turned after all these years. I have outsmarted you at last with your own help. What in thunder does he mean? Why do you suppose Quincy was so willing to take your face and go to jail even for money? He had good reason for it. Believe me, he... Who is it? Telegraph, Mr. Quincy, sir. Telegraph? Just a second. Well, let's have it. All right, Quincy, put him up. Come on in, Rocky. Yeah, Lefty. Well, Quincy, old pal, you don't seem very glad to see us. Well, what's the meaning of this? Who are you and what do you want? That ain't Quincy. My trigger finger's itchy. Back up a little. Well, uh, That's better. Who are you? What do you want? Why, we want you, Quincy. You ought to know that. I don't know who you are or why you're here, but you're making a mistake. Listen to him, Rocky. He's forgotten his old pals Lefty and Rocky. <laughs> I tell you, I never saw you before in my life. You mean you've forgotten all about it, Detroit, Quincy? How you double-crossed the boss and my kid brother six months ago and got them both bumped off by the cops? Well, ain't that forgetful of you? No, you're wrong. You've got the wrong William Quincy. Hey, Lefty, you, you don't suppose this could be the wrong guy, do you? Ah, what makes you say that? You're nuts? No, no, but, well, it's just that this guy's voice don't sound like the way I remember Quincy's voice did. That's right. I'm not the Quincy you know. Never mind the voice, Rocky. Look at the face. Uh, could there be two guys in a world with a puss like that? But I tell you, I'm, I'm just not... trying to stall. Let him have it. No, please. I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> Well, that takes care of that. Yeah, that pays off for the boss and your kid brother. Ah, uh, he should have known we'd keep looking for him till we found him. Did you hear that stuff about a million bucks? You must have been nuts to think we'd listen to guff like that from a cheap dope peddler like Bill Quincy. Yeah, but you know, Lefty, I'd still kind of like to know who sent us that letter. 
tipping us off we'd find them here at the Clark House in New York. And so ends the tale, The Man with the Stolen Face, as it is written in the sealed book. The plot which John Harrington had so cleverly contrived to change his identity led him to his doom at the hands of William Quincy's enemies. Twisted indeed are the strands of fate in which destiny entangles mere mortals. Show us the tale we tell next time. This one. Ah, yes. The tale of a handsome and mysterious man who had a strange power over people and who caused heartbreak and ruin wherever he went. A tale titled, My Beloved Must Die. Be sure to be with us again next time when the sound of the great gong heralds another strange and exciting tale from The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is produced and directed by Jock McGregor. That's it for Strange Tales this week. Hope you enjoyed our episode this time. You can find more from the sealed book at relicradio.com alongside all of the other Relic Radio podcasts. More from Strange Tales and our Shoutcast stream. Lots to listen to there. All made possible by your support. Again, it's donate.relicradio.com. We'd like to help support this and all of the shows. Thanks again for joining me this week. I'll be back next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales. Strange Tales.